This episode is powered by ActNow Education. Go to www.actnoweducation.com for free comprehensive educational resources and opportunities for active duty, veterans, military spouses, and children. That, you know, it was hard. And I guess maybe being a female soldier as well, who had been in combat operations at that time, you know, all of these elements, it just kind of, you know, it was hard to really connect with people. So, because there weren't many of us around. So separating from the pack was challenging and trying to, you know, obviously anybody who's served a war, like yourself, you know, you come back home, your priorities have been realigned for sure, you know, and you've changed as a person, not in a bad way, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big adjustment for sure for anybody uh, back then and today. Thank you for joining us today, folks. Today, I'll be co-hosting with Avi, who is the podcast assistant, as well as an aspiring future military officer. And we're also honored to have a first-generation American combat army veteran who is also the author of an inspirational best-selling book called American Dream, a book about overcoming personal and career obstacles, utilizing discipline, resilience, endurance, adaptability, and mentorship to meet success. In addition, she's the founder of the very first veteran-owned luxury perfume line, Miss Magda Khalifa, thank you for joining us on the Morning Formation podcast today. Great to be here. Thank you so much, KP. So let's get things started and uh, just learn a little about you and your background. Can you tell us where you're originally from and describe what was your childhood like? Sure. So I grew up in the New York City area and uh, you know had a pretty normal childhood growing up. I uh, went to college and I, I got married young and uh, worked, had a career in information technology in, in the area, throughout the area. Right on. And so when you joined the military, what was your MOS? And when you served in Iraq, what type of work did you do? So I I joined right after, you know, witnessing September 11th attacks in New York City. Um, within six months, I had enlisted and I was part of the United States Army Reserve. And my my MOS was at the time it was 38 Alpha, it's been reclassed to uh, 38 Bravo since. So civil affairs specialist. Uh, so we were um, at the time, again, this was, uh, you know, back in 2002. So at the time, it was uh, the only reserve unit under Special Operations Command. Right on. And at any point, did you serve an active duty? Yes. Yes. So I served two tours in um, Iraq in 2004 and then uh, went back in 2006 to 2007. And 2004, I'm, I'm just, I just want to know from my own personal, what, what part of Iraq were you in? Because I was in 2004 as well, and I was up in northern Iraq in Mosul. Where, where were you located? So the bulk of my time was in the Bakuba area, although being part of civil affairs team, we traveled a lot. So we did um, spend some time, you know, up in Tikrit, you know, ran missions, uh, Caldwell, Bob Caldwell, that was out by the border, the uh, eastern border, and uh, just a, a bunch of different areas. But we stayed more north than south. Right. That, that, yeah, I didn't typically make it down to Baghdad often. I was more near the Syrian border and up by Turkey quite a bit and in, I guess, Kurdistan and, and around those areas. And I understand that when you began writing your book, American Dream, when you came back from Operation Iraqi Freedom, which you also mentioned is when you started struggling with the transition and coming back into the civilian world. Did you start a journal at that time? And if so, how did you have the presence of mind to start doing so? So, so the book didn't come out until I had been back 
almost a decade. Um, so no, I was not journaling. I, w- I was surviving day to day. It was, you know, so it was uh, May of 2007 when I separated from active duty and essentially had to figure things out um, at that time, you know, which wasn't that long ago, really 14 years, but um, you know, they didn't, the, the resources that exist now did not exist then. Uh, so it was very challenging for me <laughs> to try to figure out how, how to transition. Um, I thankfully, thankfully I was functional. Um, I was fortunate enough that a colonel who had retired from the uh, reserve unit I was a part of had, um, you know, was working as a contractor. So he got me a job working as a contractor for the Navy. So that was good. I had, you know, I had a steady paycheck and, you know, I was able to get a small condo and, you know, at least go to work in a place that I felt somewhat uh, connected with others because they were either in uniform active duty Navy, or they were contractors like myself who had served as well. So at least I had that going for me. And that gave me a little bit of stability to start the, uh, the transition process, if you will. Um, so I did that. I, I, I served or I worked as a contractor for uh, defense department for about five years uh, before I started my first business. But I will say, so while I was functional, I, you know, Personally, I was isolating myself and I was um, very disconnected from a lot of people, even from other veterans, because I was an army soldier veteran in a Navy town. And even within that world, um, there there were, uh, you know, differences that, you know, it was hard. And I guess maybe being a female soldier as well, who had been in combat operations at that time, you know, all of these elements, it just kind of, you know, it was hard to really connect with people. So, because there weren't many of us around, you know, so separating from the pack was challenging and trying to, you know, obviously anybody who's served a war like yourself, you know, you come back home, your priorities have been realigned for sure, you know, and you've changed as a person, not in a bad way, but, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big adjustment for sure for anybody uh, back then and today. Most definitely. And I can tell you that when I came back and I, I stepped off the plane and, and I was stationed with 25th in Hawaii at the time, I certainly felt like a different person. And I didn't want to really admit it. And I didn't want to believe it. It took it took me like over 10 years to finally realize and took a lot of struggle to realize that I am different. And there are some things that were uh, that I brought with me, back with me, and I probably should have taken care of, you know, when I, when I came back, you know, they make you go through those processes of seeing a counselor and, and talking to this person and signing out here and everything else. Um, I think it was called SRP. And I skipped all that. Like I purposely just skipped that being a, being a Lieutenant, I kind of had that, that, that authority to do so. But when you did decide to write the book, did you find it therapeutic? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just kind of blown away (laughs) that they have counselors now. We didn't even have that. We had a week of uh, (laughs) sign this paperwork. Okay, go get your eyes checked or whatever, and you're done. (laughs) So it's interesting that they they have counselors now. But um, yeah, any I think anybody who writes, um, whether they publish or not, any anybody who takes the time to put thought to paper or type it up, 
um, or even speak it into an app that records your voice. You know, anytime you get it out of you, uh, it is a therapeutic or cathartic, you know, in many ways. So, you know, regardless of what it is that you're writing about, because usually it's, it's born from some thoughts that are, you know, in your mind. So yes, personally I did. And in the book, I actually, um, captured some of that, some of what I call epiphanies, because as I wrote, I was discovering more things, which, which was great, which was great. And I, I was pretty transparent about that with, you know, with the reader so that they can kind of realize, wow, okay. You know, I, I mean, I, I hope that they take that away, that that was kind of really happening real time, which I thought was pretty powerful because it really emphasizes the cumulative points of the book um, about how powerful, um, you know, Freedom Triangle, which I introduced towards the end of the book, um, how powerful that Freedom Triangle is. Yeah, I transitioned out around the same time that you did in 2007. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much uh, emphasis on the counselors. They were more there and just kind of like a whitewash, check the block type thing. But yeah, I understand what you're saying 100% with the resources not being there uh, when you transitioned out versus like now you can connect with so many other veterans out there through Clubhouse, through LinkedIn. And, you know, I always tell people and I joke that the hottest thing on the market social media wise when I got out was MySpace. And, you know, nobody knows what that is anymore. Um, so uh, just uh, when you got out of the military, I want to talk about your transition and I want to dissect and, and separately talk about your career transition and your personal transition. I, I heard in another podcast, you talk about your depression and everything from the experience of, of, of war, from the burn pits to the water that we drank over there. And I that kind of hit home for me because I remember being out by the Syrian border and they had the Lister bags hanging up out in the middle of the desert. And I remember I, I opened them up and there was just dirt and all kinds of stuff in there. Can you speak in more detail about your mental and personal transition from the military to a more civilian lifestyle? Yeah. So, okay. So the, the main takeaway is I didn't know, you know, like none, a lot of, a lot of us did not know, did not realize that a lot of the health issues we were experiencing, be them, you know, uh, um, how we were feeling, you know, in our mind or physically, right. A lot of those issues really, the root cause of it was, were the exposures that we collectively have had. So even if you didn't deploy, there's a good chance, you know, just by serving in your job in the military, doing what you do, you're exposed to so many, you know, toxic, um, you know, fumes and and just everything that you're exposed to that affect your DNA and affect your thinking, right? So we don't know what we don't know, but once you do know, you can take actions to try to correct it, you know, before it gets too late. And that's not just something in the military. It's anybody that works in an environment where there are a lot of hazards and toxins, but we didn't really talk about it back then. Now there's a much more uh, acknowledgement and awareness throughout the veteran community, you know, which is a good thing because now when you know what some of the problem is, you can tackle it. You could take the right steps to get there. So Certainly, you know, you're, you're going from, you know, like you said, being out there and like looking at <laughs> the blister bags and everything. And it, I mean, we were exposed to a lot of bad stuff. Would I do it again? Yes. Yes. I mean, to have served and to have been part of the fighting force when our country needed it most. I mean, there's nothing that could come close to that. And, you know, it's invaluable. But now knowledge is power. 
And, you know, as a part of when I was getting through my decade of, I call it decade of darkness um, in the book where I was playing really small and being reclusive and existing and not really living. um, One of the high points was getting involved, working with veterans, nonprofits to help warriors who, in my opinion, were worse off than I was, you know, because it always felt good to get back. Anyway, in the process of doing that, I came across um, an organization that really focused on the health issues for the veterans that we're talking about right now. They identified the root cause and they were able to help veterans through non-traditional methods, meaning not surgeries and pills, you know, which seemed to have been like the only answer for, you know, through the VA back in the day, right? Which, you know, I definitely kept away from um, those types of solutions. (laughs) And uh, so I learned everything I could about it and started applying those things in my life and speaking about it too, to other veterans to help them realize, Hey, you can push through. Like it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) You did what you did. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have all these other factors working against you. So let's start fixing those factors and then you can heal and your mind will heal. And I mean, I'm testament to, you know, focus, um, the result of focusing on that and turning your life around, um, turning your mind around 180 degrees. Like the zest I have for life right now, um, was absent for, you know, almost a decade and it it's night and day and there's no going back now. So, you know, it's, it's so important to share that knowledge with our community and help them realize that if they pay attention to these things and tackle these things, Life isn't going to be so horrible, you know, uh, transitioning wise or ever after, you know, uh, you can beat that narrative, but it's so important that, you know, we speak about this, especially within our community of veterans. Now, Manga, great anecdote there. Now, I have to ask for those veterans who are currently in the time of darkness and are struggling and don't necessarily have a community or a mentor to back them or even have a passion like you did helping veterans, what can people do to find the light at the end of their tunnel? And what pushed you to discover your love for helping veterans? And how can other people follow that same philosophy to find their light at the end of the tunnel? Sure, great question. So obviously trust is very important for veterans, right? You know, we all kind of view things a little differently and it's hard to sometimes listen to folks who hadn't walked in our boots, you know, so to speak, or had the same experiences. So um, one thing that exists now that didn't exist previously is, is kind of what we're doing right now, you know, podcasts. Um, there are so many podcasts out there run by wonderful veterans like yourself, KP, and, you know, that really shed light on these issues. And I find that a lot of veterans are tuning in to, you know, whoever they, whoever resonates with them. And it's not just veteran speakers. I mean, there's podcasts on, on the civilian side, sure, that are absolutely, you know, powerful, bringing attention to these things in in um, sound bites that are easily digestible so that if someone hears something, you know, while they're so busy working and, and doing everything that they're doing, they, they could just tune in, listen to something and take action on it, you know, and inquire about it. So we have a much more um, connected world right now, you know, which is really important. But I think the emphasis is on um, the the leaders, you know, those of us who have been through difficult, dark times, who have pushed through, we need to be able to articulate that more. And why that's important, it's because, again, that trust factor, because 
if, if you're a veteran right now who's struggling, well, now you have examples of veterans who, modern day veterans, right, um, who have been through probably what you're going through and they have found their way forward. So, you know, it's a good thing what we have going on right now. And, you know, I certainly believe, you know, veterans should share their experiences, write a book, go through the process as well. That's part of history. And it captures perspective from ours, you know, from the ground truth, from the boots on the ground. I remember um, when I was in college, you know, I would read books about uh, Vietnam veterans, you know, from people who were there, you know, and it fascinated me. And they weren't that much older than me, you know, 20 years or whatnot, but they uh, really provided those, you know, little granular perspectives that maybe a, a general purpose history book didn't, you know, provide. And there was credibility there. And that was invaluable because that helped answer a lot of things for me. And it built that trust, you know? Um, so I think that's, we, we just need to capture and share ultimately. Yeah. I can definitely identify with what you're saying with that. I, I really wish that when I got out of the military in 2007, I wish I wouldn't have tried so hard to step away and not just turn the page to the next chapter, I literally ripped the chapter out of the book and took all any type of item that I had that resembled the military and I put it in a box and just threw it threw it over in the closet somewhere and some of it actually got thrown away. And here I am years later coming back to the table again and a lot of it was because you know I really I really lost a lot of friends and family that I had from back home. Did you also experience the same thing as well? The the separation of experience and understanding of the world being just? Do you feel like when you came back that you had a difficult time maintaining or building upon those relationships that you had with friends and family? Yeah, I, I definitely changed. Um, and I know, you know, I take full responsibility now, you know, I realize because uh, it was probably really hard for friends and family and people who knew me prior to having gone to war to see how I changed and not understand why. So, you know, forgiveness granted all around. I, I probably was not, um, you know, at my best at that time. Uh, so, so naturally you, you separate from people that don't get you, you know, and you try to find people that get you. But what I was finding is, you know, between a combination of um, a lot of the other warriors you know, they were still serving, they were still going overseas. So had that disconnect because obviously communications wasn't, um, you know, even <laughs> when you're deployed, <laughs> it doesn't matter even today, uh, even today, um, you know, communications get cut all the time and stuff. And, you know, there's only so much you can communicate with, you know, from a security standpoint, of course. So, uh, so everybody was just so involved, you know, everybody was separated. Um, it was hard to find that family, that circle of trust again, and, you know, and within that, sometimes you thought you found it within, you know, other veterans that maybe you didn't serve together, but they were veterans too. And they served at the same time you did, but in other parts and, and, you know, which is natural. I mean, betrayals occur, you know, or, you know, just because you're a veteran doesn't mean, you know, I mean, that we have bad veterans too. And there are people who, um, you know, they're just bad human beings. And, you know, when they betray that trust, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. So it's, it's a challenge all around, you know. Um, one thing I can say is as I've evolved, as I've grown, as I've, uh, uh, you know, improved my health, myself, my state of being and my outlook in life, 
you know, what I've done automatically or, or uh, naturally and also consciously is I am glad to say that I am integrating better and meeting people from the civilian pool that I know when I came back, I probably did not really care to have anything to do with them because all that mattered was the battlefield and service. And that was it. You know, I was thinking really with a, uh, a very narrow mindset and, you know, I get it at that time. Yeah. It, it made sense, but you know, I, I left, I was, I don't know, mid thirties when I got out of active duty and, you know, plan of peaking over a hundred years, you know, so like you have to <laughs> make new friends and, and make new connections as well. You know, like if you just limit yourself and that's the problem, that's, I did it. So that's why I'm bringing attention to it. Like if you just keep yourself just within a community, you're, you're going to be limited to the growth you can have as a person. And you may need growth beyond your tribe of comfort. That's, that's really impactful what you're saying. Cause I always tell people that, you know, you got to believe that you were put on this world for greatness and, you know, you deserve to, you deserve more than what you have and to, to fight and to always work and stay motivated. And something you mentioned earlier, talking about connecting with veterans with what we have today versus what we didn't have, you know, back in 2007, that actually is why I started this podcast. It's to me, this is therapeutic I don't have a, I live in one of the biggest cities in the United States, Los Angeles, and yet I feel alone. And so, but when I'm on Clubhouse and I'm connecting with folks like you, it's it's nice to hear a lot of the things that you're saying, almost everything that you're saying is exactly what I agree with because I've been there before and I've gotten feedback from some of my listeners before based off something that I said or my guests said where they said, "Man, when when, when that was mentioned, I felt a lump in my throat. Like I felt like I, you know, I, I wanted to almost cry. And that's to me, what's most important about us reaching out to each other and connecting with each other is so that we, ha- we can talk and we can also identify with our own experiences. And I, I can't believe that sometimes I'm talking to people and I'm just like nodding my head thinking, yeah, that's absolutely amazing. And that's really impactful. And what everything that you just mentioned is, is things that I exactly as I would say them. And, you know, you mentioned your, your transition uh, a couple of minutes ago, and I'd, l- I'd like to talk about what your career transition experience was like when you separated from the army. What was it like to translate your skills into the civilian world? So since I, uh, transitioned for the first five years after leaving active duty and coming back for more. Um, I was, I was working as a defense contractor. So it was probably the easiest point to transition my skills because, um, especially specifically because the first few years of that first, almost four years of it, a, a person who did civil affairs in the army, I was helping build the Navy's new civil affairs team. So it was very relevant, very extremely relevant. So, so that was good. Um, when I, made the transition from employee and from defense contractor to being a business owner, you know, a solopreneur working for myself, that was a different type of transition, but not unlike anybody who has gone from being an employee to being, you know, in business for themselves, self-employed. A lot of um, veterans, they tend to focus on what it is that I did from the standpoint of skills. And 
what I encourage them to do is to look at it from the standpoint of leadership, because you can be taught a skill. Any, you know, anyone that's coachable can learn new skills, but leadership is not something that comes very easily for a lot of people or whatnot. You have leadership skills. And that is so important because we need leadership in this world in every realm and in business and in companies. Companies want that. They can teach you the skills. So don't ever feel hampered like, oh, my skills are not going to translate. They're not going to understand these kinetic skills that I have. That's that's not the focus. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Focus on your discipline, your ability to lead others, your ability to solve problems, your ability to be a self-starter. And in the absence of leadership or resources, you're able to get the job done. Those are the types of things that employers are going to be looking for. And those are the types of things that I believe are absolutely necessary if you're going to become self-employed, start a business. You need to have those traits because you can figure everything else along the way. You can get mentors to show you the shortcuts and learn and understand what you need to do, but, but you cannot teach those traits. Those come with experience. So I think all people who have all veterans, you know, who have served um, a, a minimal amount of time, you know, have a plethora of leadership experience, character that they really have an edge over someone who has not been through that experience. I definitely agree with you on that. When, when I was 24 years old, I was a lieutenant in Iraq. I was a platoon leader, you know, of a transportation platoon. And there's not very many 24, 25-year-olds that could say that they were running missions outside of, you know, outside of combat area, having, dealing with IEDs and uh, complex ambushes and all the madness that we had to deal with. So the military definitely puts you ahead leadership-wise. I guess the, the biggest challenge was when I got out, I was sitting across the table from recruiters that didn't understand how those skills translated. So right off the bat, I was uh, I wanted to really get into medical sales. And after each interview that I had, um, the number one thing that they said was, well, you don't have any sales experience. Well, maybe I didn't do a good job at translating those skills over somehow. I, I had, an, I had a, a graduate degree that I just got, just got out as a captain. I thought that I was going to, you know, have all kinds of jobs offered to me. And I ended up just having just one that was offered to me when it was all said and done. And I took it and I was there for about a year. So definitely, I like what you're saying about the the leadership part. Don't ever sell yourself short because even if you were a squad leader or a assistant platoon sergeant or, or anything of, of any leadership, that's a lot more than your peer group had during during that time. You are definitely ahead of your peer group. Yes. So KP, exactly what you guys are talking about. This marketability is a huge, crucial aspect of making the transition process easier. So Magda, other than leadership, what other aspects of the army lifestyle and duties did you see coincide with aspects of the private sector that made transitioning easier? Sure. Great question, Avi. So um, my book, American Dream, DREAM is an acronym and it stands for the D, you know, for discipline and resilience, endurance, adaptability, and mentorship. And the first four, D-R-E-A, I think those are all, well, and the, the rest of the title is to succeed and win in life. Okay. So those first four letters, I believe those skills, 
associated with those letters. Those are, or excuse me, those characteristics are absolutely inherent to anyone who serves in the military. You know, for sure, you're learning. You absolutely are executing on discipline. You know, you may leave it when you get out and that's on you, but it's there. So, you know, automatically, you know, you have that ability to be disciplined and, you know, uh, to be able to show up and that's half the battle. Okay. Resilience. Resilience is so important because obviously when, when you're serving in the service, you, you go through some difficult, challenging times and your ability to keep going. All right. That's huge. A lot of people in, you know, who have not served get crushed the minute something bad happens. So you have that resilience, endurance, endurance. I mean, even if you, I'm just going back to that example of a four-year enlistment and you get in and you hate what you're doing and you hate the people you're working with, but you still show up and you do what you have to do, right? You have that endurance in you because you've weathered through it, okay? Going on deployment, remember the first uh, people who deployed to Iraq in 2002 who were, um, you know, I remember, you know, they were supposed to stay a year and they ended up staying 18 months. I mean, talk about endurance, right? 18 months away from your families and friends. That was before the the uh, the deployments were streamlined. So you, you certainly have built up that endurance by your time in service and adaptability. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, uh, being a veteran, we all know adaptability because you have to just, you know, show up and adapt to the situation on the ground and Murphy's going to be there and, you know, the plan's going to change, fraggle, 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 and you still march forth and complete mission. So you're adaptable. So when things like that pop up in your career or in your, um, in the course of your entrepreneurship journey, it's like water off the duck's back, you know, (laughs) it just rolls right off of you because you're like, okay, whatever. You kind of come to expect it and it doesn't mess with your mind the way it does for others who have not been tested and proven as much as you have already in such a short period of time. So you have all these superpowers coming out as a veteran. Most definitely. And I can tell you that the number of battle drills that we did to deal with the IEDs, the complex complex ambushes, the vehicle breakdowns and everything, nothing ever happened to script. It was always thinking on your feet and adjusting and making it happen. And But the beautiful thing was everyone had a baseline. Everyone understood security. Everyone understood boxing up. And that was after you got through and you were back on the FOB. That was something to look back on as a leader and say, you know what? Yeah, that's why we train. And so I understand what you're saying. And I want to ask you with the transitioning from leadership to leadership positions, what differences in work culture have impacted the way you approach problems and are treated as an Army veteran? Yeah, I mean, um, at this point, I've been out for 14, 14 years. I haven't um, I mean, other than for drill, you know, like I, I really haven't worn the, the uniform on a daily basis in, in 14 years. And that, that is a lengthy period of time. So I, I believe I'm, uh, you know, I've acquired a lot of other experience collectively that makes up the sum of who I am today, you know, but, I, it, you know, I think it's just accumulation of all the things in your life, all the experiences, all the tests, all the setbacks that really build out inner confidence in yourself and your abilities. And, and that's huge. And I know as time continues, that will only continue to grow. So the one thing is about the military as well is they put you in position of, of responsibility and accountability and leadership. 
and you don't always win. Like nobody's perfect. And I'm not perfect. I've screwed up so many times. And I think what you're saying is every lesson is one to learn from. Whether it be negative or positive, it's important to grow from that experience. And many times people focus on just being perfect. And that's not what it's about. It's about overcoming obstacles, learning from your leadership growth, and moving on from there. And the one thing that I love about your personality, Magda, is how 100% authentic you are. And I listened to one podcast where you spoke about you know, family issues that expanded after coming back from deployment. And I understand this concept because, you know, I don't speak to some of my own family members and it was hard to align myself with family and friends that I had in, in college and back home. And some of those uh, small neglected embers that I had inside of me grew over time. And the largest shelf I felt like was my deployment. My deployment was kind of out of everything I'd been through, through my childhood, growing up and whatnot, the deployment I guess, separated me even more. Um, what suggestions do you have for veterans who also experience the same mental isolation with their own friends and families? Absolutely. And I, I think many of us do in some some way, you know, um, to varying degrees. And here's the good news. I'll lead with the good news. Okay. Um, there's two pieces. The first part is it's up to you if you're going to let that affect you. Okay. Meaning others can choose to hang on to whatever they want to. That's on them. You can't change them. You have to do you. Okay. So you have to make that choice first. Are you going to be enslaved to those relationships? You know, sometimes uh, practicing limited association may be what it takes to create some time and space and to find that um, zone. Hey, maybe you just get together for the holidays and we don't talk about whatever, sports, politics, religion, whatever it is, you know, but, but we, we love each other as family, you know, maybe that's the case. Okay. The second piece of good news is that you can find new people. I mean, 6 billion people on this planet, you know, and I, I'm so grateful because the relationships I've built in recent years with people who are not blood family, who are, you know, who are not even veterans, you know, um, we've become very close and, and it's really opened up my horizons to realize that you can create your own tribe. So if you, you know, are stuck and feel isolated, find new people, find new connections. Like, trust me, you don't want a mirror image of yourself. Okay. It's good to, you know, yes, you want folks that share values, you know, the important things, but we're also human beings. And, you know, I, I, this whole thing about being clones, you know, and group thing that can be dangerous as well. So you just find that right area. But the, the whole point is it's in your mind, first of all, if you're going to allow things to affect you. And then if you can put it in the proper um, context in your mind, you can find ways where it won't affect you as much. And then second, you can find new people to bring into your life. And that could be very rewarding. Uh, it could be in the form of mentors, mentors who feed your mind. Um, it could be in the form of supporters, you know, who bring positivity to to you and what you're about. And so, I mean, there's just so many different areas, but there are a lot of people out there. But sometimes you have to go find them rather than sitting, waiting, hoping that they come to you. Very, very impactful stories there, Magda. 
I love how you correlate everything that you've been through to your current situation and in a way that allows other people to learn from it as well. Very, very important. Now, we know that you have a fragrance that launched just before the pandemic. That couldn't have been easy. Triangle fragrance. We see you wearing the hat right now. Do you mind explaining to our audience what made you decide on the name Triangle Fragrance and what importance the brand has to you? Absolutely, Avi. Thank you. Um, so when I wrote my memoir, it, it published in October 2019. So I lost two years ago. And in the memoir, the real value other than I mean, there's history, there's there are lessons, there's self-help. But the real value is something I introduced to the world called Freedom Triangle, which is based on time freedom health freedom, and mind freedom. So I realized not everybody reads books and I wanted to, that's that's the framework that's going to help people. So I thought if I had a physical product that can attract people to this notion of freedom triangle, I'll be able to help them through that. You know, So fragrance came to mind because fragrance could be for men, for women, could be um, available worldwide. And I want to cast a wide net and help as many people as I can. So that's triangle fragrance is inspired by freedom triangle. So that's the correlation with the name. Um, so yes, I started this January, 2020 and, uh, by November, um, of that year, uh, the six fragrances were introduced and, um, you know, manufactured and available each of the fragrances, each of the six fragrances, each one has its own triangle fragrance collector's card. And the statements on the card tie back to Freedom Triangle and to the fragrance and the scent itself. So that way, collectively, it's an experience. It's not just a pretty scent, not just a luxurious scent. So I'm really, really pleased with the whole collection and excited to continue to see it grow and blossom and for things to come in the future. Magda, anyone out there interested in purchasing your book or purchasing any of the fragrances that you have, the six different fragrances, where can they find that? Sure. So um, for the book, if they go to AmericanDreamTheBook.com, it has links to you know Amazon um, and uh, other, other places they could uh, purchase the book. If they're interested in the fragrance, they can go to TriangleFragrance.com. And we also have uh, authorized distributors which are brick and mortar shops. I'm in the process of uh, creating relationships with other brick and mortar shops across the country. Awesome. And for folks out there that would like to connect with you, what social media platforms do you use? Um, I have a presence in most of them, but really Instagram currently right now. Uh, it's at magda.khalifa.usa. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn for those that are exclusively on LinkedIn. And uh Facebook as well. So um, between all three socials. It's hard to manage all the different accounts, I understand. But um, yeah, I'm, uh, I use mainly three different social media platforms. And just the final things out, Magda, I'd like to ask you, uh, what are the key takeaways from your journey that you would like for everyone to understand and know? Sure. Well, everybody's journey is going to be different. But so uh, the first thing is you have to be intentional with what you want. And if you cannot even be truthful with yourself, if you cannot even make the time to write it down and read it out loud to yourself, okay? If you can't even get to that point, 
All right. It's not just going to magically happen. And you're going to let some great years go by where, yes, you could be a good person to have a job and pay your taxes and, you know, be functional, but there's so much more in life, you know? Um, so just start with that commitment to be honest to yourself and whatever it is that you want to achieve or get past, you can do it. Okay. That that's for sure. I'm living proof of it. And, um, you know, like so many others as well. Uh, number two mentorship. So getting back to dream American dream, the acronym, the M stands for mentorship. And I never really knew about mentors, you know, um, before I joined the military, I knew some, you know, veterans who I looked up to as mentors. I mean, they, you know, just, just by having a relationship with them, they, you know, shared their experiences and, and their views and whatnot. And it, that kind of helped me understand things. So I was able to ask them questions, you know, so same thing applies, you know, in life, in business, in anything you want to do. Um, if you want to, you know, excel in athletics, you're going to have coaches and you're, you're going to have, you know, mentors to help you with mindset part. Like Tim Grover, I was very fortunate to meet Tim Grover, who coached um, Kobe Bryant, um, Michael Jordan, number of other, uh, you know, successful uh, athletes. And, you know, he really is an amazing mentor. And I was very um, fortunate to spend some time with him and to be, you know, mentored by him. And of course, people can read his books and really understand uh, the, the mindset of a champion. And three, you just really want to do uh, an inventory of who is in your life on a daily basis. Who are you listening to? And, you know, if, if they're negative, they're not feeding or otherwise supporting your growth and development, you want to limit association with them. And it doesn't matter if they, you know, maybe they birthed you, maybe they, you know, um, maybe, you know, it, it could be someone in your own close family, you know, because what I'm learning, what I'm realizing too, there are fewer people that have positive, supportive uh, family members. What, what I'm learning as, as I get older is, you know, unfortunately, you know, family can love you, but they're not, sometimes they're, they're some of the biggest obstacles in your growth. I definitely love the message, Magda. I I did a lot of research on you, like listening to podcasts before this, and I thought to myself, I have to get, I have to get this woman on my podcast as a guest because I, I love the message, I love the product, the book that you have out. You're definitely a fighter, a mentor, and a true inspiration. And I I really appreciate you giving us this time today to speak to you. It's it's an absolute honor. Um, Avi, do you have anything to to summarize or final things out? Well. It'll be more of a comment here, Magda. I love how you, at every step of your journey, there was always something to learn from. And at each stage of your life that you've talked about with us, you can see the reflection of the lessons you've learned, the people you've tried to help, and everything you've worked towards, even in your fragrance line. And I think that is amazing and a perfect example of how learning lessons at each and every curve can lead to a lifetime of education and betterment. Thank you, KP, and thank you, Avi. I really appreciate being here and connecting with you both. Most definitely. The honor is all on this side of the microphones. Thank you so much, Magda. And for anyone else out there listening who's interested in connecting with Magda, I will put all that information down in the show notes as well as where you can find her products and her book. And of course, if all else fails, you can find uh, her book on Amazon, just like everything else that you can find. So definitely check it out. 
and hopefully it it hits home for you. Hopefully it sends you the messages that that she mentioned today, and there's the major key takeaways. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Morning Formation podcast today. As for Avi, Magda, and KP, we're out. You've been listening to the Morning Formation podcast. I hope you found today's materials helpful and of value to your current situation. You can connect with me on Instagram at the underscore morning underscore formation underscore podcast. Or you can connect with me via email at the formation podcaster at gmail.com. Also, I would like to thank my partners at Act Now Education for their support. Authenticity, community, and trusted is what you can expect from all members of the Act Now Education team. You can link up with them today and learn about some new free educational resources on their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at their website, actnoweducation.com. Whether today's show took you back to a nostalgic time or helped you think about tomorrow, thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you again. Stay safe and stay motivated. Warriors, fall out.